dreaming It's remains when we need to talk bad about my boss Take a break from work today is no total loss Welcome, welcome, welcome to a post-snowstorm, I guess, edition of the South Dakota Podcast and Blast. Uh, just got back from Pheasants Forever Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic, which was in Minneapolis this last week, uh, pre-storm, and it's an amazing show. If you've never been, you should go when it gets to our neck of the woods, and we'll talk about that more later, but uh, 33,000 People, conservationists, hunters, habitat lovers, bird lovers, dog lovers, uh, went to that show this year in Minneapolis. Um, they always start the whole thing off with the dog parade, and I think they had like a hundred different uh, breeds of hunting dogs. Um, everything from the standard and lovable Labs to Spinonis and Franco Barces, and it's 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 really cool so if you ever get the chance uh you should go but uh that's beside the point um while we're there i took some time got a really really cool interview with kind of the head of pr if you will um for pheasants forever uh bob st pierre bob's a really cool dude we've been friends for a long time and we're kind of kindred spirits we like a lot of the same music and dogs and a lot of the same stuff. Uh, he's a baseball guy. Um, great interview. He's probably the busiest guy on that floor of that show. But I asked him for 15 minutes, and I think he gave me almost an hour. And then we talked to the new South Dakota kind of chapter rep for Pheasants Forever, uh, Cameron. And um, that was a cool interview, too, and pretty exciting that anybody who is a PF member in South Dakota kind of has a new rep. Uh, this kid is young. He's full of energy. He's got lots of great ideas. He loves to listen, loves to do video production and stuff. So excited about the future of Pheasants Forever uh, chapters in South Dakota and hopefully doing some partnership work with that kid because he's a talented dude. So we sat down. I did the interview solo with Bob and then uh, Nick Harrington, who's been on this show several times, um, sat in with Cameron and I, and uh, it was good stuff. So hope you like it. Hope you're all shoveled out. And here we go. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the South Dakota Podcast and Blast. I am your host, communication specialist, Chris Hall. I am in currently beautiful Minneapolis, but soon to be Weatheropolis, weather, <laughs> weather snow-nami Minneapolis for Pheasant Fest, and I've got royalty here with me. <laughs> the voice and face of Pheasants Forever, my friend, Bob St. Pierre. Bob, thanks for taking time and hanging out with us. This is a South Dakota podcast? Yes. I thought it was a Roger Clyde and the Peacemakers <laughs> fan club it podcast. It should be. It should be. We're uh, the two biggest fans of that right. band, right? I think that's how we figured out we're kindred spirits, right? <laughs> Here's to life, brother. Right, right, right. Um, so Bob is, is if you're involved with Pheasants Forever and you follow anything on social media or if you've ever been to a Pheasant Fest in Sioux Falls or Omaha or here in Minneapolis, you know Bob. He's always wearing the, uh, the excellent bright orange suit, running around, uh, shaking hands, kissing babies. <laughs> Bob, thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, love being able to talk with you about South Dakota. Bob, 
and it, let's 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 just start there before we get into anything else. I'm gonna throw throw caution to the wind here. Yeah, uh, you get to do with your job. You get to do a lot of cool things and go to a lot of cool places. Mm. And we've had this conversation. Mm-hmm. You get to come to South Dakota and and hunt birds a lot. You get to hunt a hunt, yeah. not a lot, but yeah, enough. no, that's fair. I, so it's a perfect blend for my life, right? Downside is my wife and I have never been able to have kids, right? Right, which right. is a which is a drag, it right? Just, and it happens, right? Right. Um, we have bird dogs, right? And that has granted us a fair amount of freedom. That every weekend, I can uh, point the truck west, north, you name it, right? And I do. I I get those dogs out, and I keep myself. And the other thing, I'm a type one diabetic. And exercising and hunting is great for my health. And so I spend a lot of time um, traveling to hunt. And South Dakota is a frequent destination. And as you know, one of my favorite places in the world. Um, You know, I immediately think Fort Pierre Grasslands, Grand River National Grasslands. I'm going to get my butt kicked for mentioning that one. That's that's okay. Uh, But the the National Grasslands, the public lands in particular, um, the Sharpies, the Chickens, the Huns, and the pheasants that are in South Dakota, um, and particularly the public lands in South Dakota. I think, you know, everybody knows South Dakota is the pheasant capital of the world. What they may not recognize is the public accessibility. You know, it's certainly wonderful first-class lodges, no doubt about it. But the public lands from the James River Crep, the new Crep coming, the Big Sioux, game production areas, waterfall production areas. I mean, you guys got it all, and it's all available to any of us right. that want to travel with our short hairs, our labs, our vishlas, our wire-haired pointing <laughs> to uh, chase birds in South Dakota. I, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite destinations. Right, and, and um, you know, obviously follow you on social media and stuff, and, and – you, you, when you're saying you're, you're traveling, your wife goes along yeah. a lot, right? Whether a, whether you're hunting or whether you're backcountry, cross-country skiing with the yeah. dogs and stuff. I mean, you're traveling as a unit. Does she, she hunt a lot? Too, she or? doesn't. She, she grew up actually in a family that, you know, I wouldn't say anti-hunters, but they just did it's not part of their lifestyle. But they were largely, she was a vegetarian growing up. We started dating, and you know, I I like to cook, and it's like, oh, this timber doodle tastes all right, right you know. Um, and and we have a great joy, and you know, like I said, we don't have kids, so she loves following those dogs around, right. and she loves nature, and she loves hiking and seeing them do what they do. She doesn't have a real desire to pull a shotgun up on a bird, right. um, but she loves eating them, and right. she loves watching the dogs point, and right. she loves the happiness that it brings me when right. we have some success so yeah whether it's chasing birds in south dakota or rough grouse in the boundary waters right. or cross-country skiing uh yeah we we love the outdoors and and uh going places with our dogs i, I think yeah there's another spot where we're kindred spirits my my wife loves the dogs um she grew up western south dakota not not hunting family huge family hunt some big game on their own ground but never i don't know if she'd ever even seen a pheasant like that had been taken by Hunter until we started dating, and and she comes along now. I, now my daughter Charlie has been running our dogs, our la- our labs. You mm-hmm. forgot labs, you know. But uh, since she was four, and I remember the first times bringing my wife along, she was literally cheering for the birds. Mm-hmm. You know, when we missed, she'd be like, <laughs> Yay! you know. Uh, but I I think 
it, it's similar for us because she likes to eat them too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she's actually, and I, I was on a, we were on a podcast with Scott Linden yesterday and I said, one of the, he asked about tips and I said, you know, we as hunters, you know, I think there's a, there's a, a expectation, especially for, you know, you get to a point, there's an expectation you take care of the birds, right? You don't just shoot them and jam them in your vest and throw them in the back of the pickup and eight hours later you clean them, right? right. You're trying to respect them. I said, but I think my wife has extended my love for it because she likes to cook and likes to experiment. With, with me, man, with my grandma, it was you had pheasants, you added heavy cream, apples, yeah. you know, those things, and that's the only way you cooked it. And anything else was almost heresy, yeah. you know? And so to extend that with her and extend her like, well, let's try this. God, you know, I've only got so many of these birds. Let's not mess them up, you know. <laughs> well, that, that it's true in my family, too, and, and her family. It's really extended the, the hunt, the memories, the experience, and the camaraderie and the passion. Mm-hmm. Like we, we have what's called no uh, trademark infringement here. Pheasant Feast, oh, not right to be on. confused yeah. with Pheasant Fest, right. Right? but it's a St. Pierre family tradition in, in Godfrey, my wife's main name, where we invite people over around the holidays, and we have right a on. wild game feast with, you know, 50 family and wow. friends, right on. and, uh, you know, we had to put that um, on the back burner to, during COVID, sure. right? And now it's like, which Pheasant <laughs> right, Feast going to be? Right, and, right. You know, people that never eat um, you know, meat let alone wild game now you know like this is wonderful and they you know that the just the celebration of the food and the hunt and then you start connecting that to our mission at pheasants forever the land right right how we treat the land it, you know it's maslow's hierarchy of needs not to go too right. deep no on no, you, no we I'm all know you. that yeah. right like yeah. from high school what we do at pheasants forever is is helps all of society from cleaner water to uh, um, cleaner air, healthier soils, a more resilient climate, right. great wild places for birds to live, and for all of us to experience a better, richer quality of life right. and quality food. Right. right. And that, you know, all boils down to those Maslow's hierarchy right. needs, and that's what pheasants forever and quail forever do every single day. And it, you know, it's right. Like, you know, if you want a you know preposterous statement, I don't think it's one. You know, it's that, like that pheasant, tournament just started. So. <laughs> right, pheasants forever and quilt. I mean, we're saving the world, literally I, saving the planet. It's it's certainly money where your mouth is, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell people that all the time. But before I before we leave, kind of the the food thing, you know, probably in the last, I, I think it was about twelve years ago, I heard the R three, mm-hmm. you know, and and the and the the generation that's older than you and I, and kind of that giant bubble of hunters and, and really avid hunters and anglers, you know, kind of falling off, mm-hmm. you know. And and I live in Pierce, so it, you have this this box that you kind of live in. 13,000 people, it's the biggest town for 200 miles in any direction. And and people starting to go, hey, these kids that are younger than us that, that didn't really grow up hunting, they want to know where the food is, and we think we can gain some traction there. And I'm, you know, very dismissive because mm. that's the way I am. <laughs> And remember going to a couple classes where we were teaching these, never picked up a shotgun, never picked up a fishing rod, but wild game cooking classes mm-hmm. to go, maybe we can get some of these kids mm-hmm. to, to pick up a fishing rod or at least take a class and see if it's for them. And damn it, it worked. Yeah. You know, even in Pier where yeah. I was like, they're, 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 those kids don't exist here. And all of a sudden there's people that come out of the woodwork and 
well, now I want to know how to break down a deer. You know, yeah. I ate this yeah. deer, and, and now it might not be for me, but I want to go out and learn how to shoot and shoot mm-hmm. safely. And now there's a group, there's a big group of kids in Pierre. Well, kids, now they're probably 30, mm. but they're all hunting and fishing together. Yeah. And I see them in my spots that I took them to to fish, you know, panfish. I could care less, but it's amazing. It worked, yeah. you know, yeah. and maybe not on this grandiose needle-moving scale in the larger sense, but certainly in an advocacy sense yeah. and certainly in a town of 13,000, we've got 20 <laughs> licensed buyers and you start thinking you're like wow that's it's that's having something. an impact and right you think about it though like okay why did you or i come to bird hunting right food you enjoy the food you enjoy the outdoors right the exercise the dog right it's the same thing that just uh, those some of those audiences hadn't been exposed right. to it you know I, I know tons of people that have now picked up hunting picked up a shotgun because one way or another they got a dog right and that dog was a german short hair of ishla and they pointed a, a butterfly or a songbird right. and was like whoa this is magic yeah and then they started taking that dog into the field bought a piece of blaze orange shotgun and then there's a meal and like i always i always say uh bird dogs are the cocaine of conservation and people, <laughs> people are like Bob, you know cocaine isn't a, a gateway drug. Right? Like, I don't know. I've never Dog, used cocaine uh, before. Yeah, either, but dogs are a, you can't tell me dogs aren't a gateway either. You know? but, but dogs right. are a gateway, right? For right? Sure. So, and, and it is a really great conduit into conservation and, and what we love, right? And whether it's food, whether it's that exercise, whether it's the dog, you get the person hunting, and then they start to care about the land, and then they start caring about conservation. And right. It becomes whole cir- full circle. And to, it leads to cleaner water, more wildlife For habitat, sure. and healthier society. For sure. And it, and I look at it, you know, growing up, you're a kid, and I'm following my dad and my grandpa around. And first it's a stick, and then it's a BB gun, and then it's, you know, maybe a twenty two, but then it's the hammer action 410, probably the most dangerous gun mm. ever, you know, but you're out there doing that. And, and you know, the, the feeling of your first duck or your first pheasant, your first goose or whatever, mm-hmm. and that. You know, you talk about the the evolution of a of a angler or a hunter. You know, first it's you know size and numbers, and then all this right, stuff. Right. But I think some of this is is a little bit different. That yeah, you know, the ultimate success is a, is a limit. You know, mm-hmm. with some of these kids, it's really not. Or these younger hunters and new hunters, it's really not. It's it's it started out as more of a social thing and they're very aware of it because they're not 12 year old boys going i just want to go out and mow stuff down you know so there's that there's already some well obviously maturity but it it, so it's a they know they want to do it as a social thing and they know they want to do it as a food thing and anything anything that they can get at that beginning level is a huge huge victory right right um so it's while it's different it's certainly effective, and I, I and like I said, I never thought it would it move a needle. Like we're never going to get tens of thousands of of that age group that we missed mm-hmm. that wasn't introduced to it at a young age like you and I. But have been kind of wrong, and that's yeah, hard, it, that's it, hard to it, admit. It's really, but it it took a worldwide pandemic to be the right. trigger to ha- have that happen. Right, too. I and, think that certainly. And we it. all, I mean, you know, I mentioned Fort Pier earlier. I mean, you can see that the first couple of weeks of the season, you know. The last three years in Fort Pierre versus 10 years prior, right. you know, the amount of hunting pressure and the interest level. And, you know, whether it's pheasants, sharpies, um, chickens, you know, there's 
you know, people can bag on social media, but social media has a real big influence on Oof. when the pandemic hit and people living vicariously. And I want to do that, too. There's so many different components that right. have led to all this. Yeah. I want to do that, too. And now i got a little bit of time, and you know, because everything's shut, shut mm-hmm. down, you know. Right. And we're, you know, we're seeing it in our, in our, specifically our resident angler numbers from those years were skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. I mean, unprecedented right. highs. And then, you know, down, 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 it came back down. So we're in the middle of doing a survey with those folks. And, I mean, the obvious answer is, you know, my 14-year-old, when the p- pandemic hit, her and I fished every day that mm-hmm. spring. I mean, every day. Dad, I'm done with my homework. Now what? Okay, I'm going to go take a video camera, and I'm going to go take a couple camera cameras, and I'm going to make content, and she's, we're going to go out and fish. And then immediately, as soon as that unlocked, well, Dad, now I'm swimming. Now right. I'm, you know. And we don't see it in our camping as much because our camping numbers are still remain very high. Mm-hmm. But that angling participation is really, really right. tough. And, and just trying to figure it out, I, we think we know, but... Yeah. Organized sports, organized Oof. dance. Right. right. Our world's changed from when us Gen Xers right. were. You know, we'd get home from school, let ourselves in, grab a shotgun, yep. and go out the back door. Yep. As long as I left a note for my dad, I could go anywhere I wanted to. That's that's how I grew up. I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and I lived, you know, 10 miles outside of town in the middle of the woods. Right. Get home, and I'll, I was out grouse hunting, or I was out right. bow hunting, and, you know, you come back in at dark. And it's different. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and for me, we raised labs. So as long as I had a lab with me, whether I, we were training, hunting, fishing, farting around, the, the rule was dog, at least one of the dogs had to come along. Right, right on. So, so let's talk about where you grew up and, and your background and how you got to this point. Sure. You said you grew up in the UP? I did. Yadder, you know, real fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, Escanaba, right. to be exact. Uh, I was always going to go to the University of Michigan out of college, and um, I took the ACT. And remember, you're taking your ACT, you got to fill out three circle, uh, three uh, schools where you want your scores sent to. I didn't know that going in. I was like, well, I circled the University of Michigan, and for whatever reason, I had seen it. Uh, St. Cloud State Northern Michigan hockey game. <laughs> and I was like, all right, St. Cloud State Northern Michigan took the test, and I did well. And I got a call like two weeks later from St. Cloud, like, you know, we got your ACTs. We'd like to offer you a full ride. Like, all right, what state are you in? Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I ended up in, in Minnesota, full ride to, to St. Cloud. Um, got a, uh, I was working on my mass communications degree. I have a degree in mass comm and uh, English. So I'm going to be an English teacher or creative writer. And we I, are creative souls. I <coughs> English degree with a mass comm minor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I did a seventh grade uh, field experience uh, teaching English in St. Cloud. And I realized this isn't going to be for me. Yeah, I did the same thing. <laughs> and, I did the same thing. Uh, January of my senior year, uh, Mike Vec, uh, owner of the St. Paul yep. Saints baseball team, his dad is Bill Vec, and you know yes. him from the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs before that. He's in right. the Baseball Hall of Fame. Mike Vec um, came to a class, one of my mass comp classes in St. Cloud, and one of the professors was a season ticket holder to the uh, Saints, and Mike was doing her a favor and came and spoke to uh, one of our mass comp classes and talked about this marriage between baseball, marketing, and communications. And, you know, I'm 
you know, listen to him in rapture, right? I'm, ever since I was, you know, three years old, I wanted to be the next Alan Trammell, the shortstop right. for the Detroit Tigers. And here's this guy talking about what I'm going to school for, working in baseball. I really didn't know about those sports marketing mm-hmm. careers at that time. He got done speaking, and the class filed out, and I went up, like, I went right to him, and I, I want your job. How do I get it? And um, about a week after that, um, I had an internship with uh, St. Paul Saints. Right on. Spent the season, 96 season with the Saints. That was the year that Daryl Strawberry got kicked out of the majors. I was, and, and I was at several of those games, actually. Came and uh, played for the Saints. Right. Jack Morris uh, was trying to get a contract. and uh, So all these major leaguers that I grew up with were in the Saints were an independent mm-hmm. minor league team of players that screwed up, did something wrong, Steve Howell. got got an injury. Played for the Canaries. We yeah. had the first female uh, baseball player. Isla Borders. Isla Borders. Yeah. yeah, you know him very well. Yeah. Um, so all trying to get a contract back to the major leagues or major league system. So I spent the 96 season as an intern, got hired at the end of the 96 season to be I don't even know what my title was, <laughs> like maybe marketing coordinator. And sure. I worked, spent seven years there, uh, worked my way up to assistant GM. Uh, I'm very proud of the distinction. I, I was acting GM for five games. Nice. Five and oh. Nice. As a, 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 now no longer in baseball, so I'm undefeated. <laughs> um, but, I, I, you know, when, I, when you work in the minors, you work from Easter in April to Labor Day in September, and you don't have a single day off. Yep. You know, you're, you're at the ballpark. Uh, Sundays, you know, you're not scrambling eggs and reading the paper. You're at the ballpark getting ready to sell tickets and hand out logo bats, you know. Yep. So it's not breaking rocks. Right. Right? But, you know, I really didn't have much of an opportunity to fish in the summer. And in the fall, like, you made your money in the minors based on selling logo baseball night and outfield billboards right. in September and October for the season ahead. Right. And so what would that mean? If I was um, selling advertising, I was making commission. If I was out bird hunting, I wasn't going to make much right. money. So here I am, a passionate outdoors person, but I love baseball. I spent seven years in the minors, and I was like, okay, I'm time for the, the next step in my career. Sent two resumes out. One to be the director of public relations for Pheasants Forever. The other to be the director of marketing for the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> I got both offers. Wow. Right on. <laughs> so I, so I, as you can imagine, I had a pretty tough choice, right? Yeah. It comes down to do I want to stay and live in the Twin Cities or do I want to move to Detroit? I wanted to stay and live in the Twin Cities. Um, and I ended up naming my dogs after Detroit yes. Tigers in yes. <laughs> Red Wings. So, right. So, and, and obviously I'm passionate about the outdoors and, and you know, giving back and, and making sure my life has meaning, right, with, right. with what I do. And I, I think I became a diabetic later in life, a type 1 diabetic, so mm-hmm. juvenile diabetes, which is adult onset of juvenile diabetes. So I became a diabetic at 26 and when I was in this um, baseball career, right? Like towards the end, I, I left the Saints in 29, at, at age 29. But it was all part of that decision was, you know, we all should think about this, right? We could get abducted by aliens or get hit by right. a truck. Right. You, who knows, right? Yeah. Well, that hit home for me as a, when I got diagnosed as a diabetic. I, I've got it under good control, but it's like life's short. Yeah. And I wake up every morning. I've got an insulin pump attached to my belt. Like life's short. 
like what do I want to do and thankfully I had real two really incredible options but it came back to working at Pheasants Forever I can make a difference about right. something yeah I, I love the Tigers but I'm not gonna catch the you know the, the, the ball at shortstop and throw right. the, the guy out at first yep. right I can make a difference for my skill set at Pheasants Forever so I, I started in a January of 20, uh, 2003. So I've been here wow. a little over 20 years. I started six days before the very first ever National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. So I've been a part of them all. Uh, I've helped uh, launch Quail Forever in 2005. And, you know, I'm, I just work with tremendously passionate people. Right. And um, I've, I've been really proud of, you know, working on farm bills from a marketing side, mm -hmm. working on public land creation from a marketing side, and, and recruiting new hunters and conservationists. And right. I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, my life is has meaning, yeah. and that's pretty fun. Yeah. It's a long-winded answer. No, but no, and, and I knew some of that. I didn't know all of it, but it, it is funny because I'm just laughing kindred spirit, like baseball guy and, and that stuff, and, and I worked, you know, you know, I worked at tourism before I, I came to Game Fish, but I've been at Game Fish for 16 years. Worked at tourism, loved it. Got to travel all over doing film office stuff, like movies, TVs, mm. commercials, and got to do a lot of cool projects. And, and you work, 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 you know, similar to you, and then it's done. And then you're on to the next one, and you're like, mm. you know. And literally working on a big project with, with Brian Grazer, who's, who's a huge producer of Imagine TV, Spent two weeks with him out at the rally of all things, sleeping in tents because mm. there's nowhere else to sleep. And he he said, "I want I, I I like you. I think you're really smart. I want to see you see some of your writing." So I submitted some writing to to Imagine. Got an offer to go to L.A. and work on a show that was just coming out called Twenty Four. Mm. And turned it down because I had two dogs. And I went, "How am I?" And I went to L.A. and I went, "How am I going to put these two dogs? You know, I can't do this to my yeah, dogs." Yeah. And started thinking about kind of that similar thing, like I want to be able to make a difference, make a mm -hmm. difference. And so I really had to think about what I wanted to do. Like I love tourism, I love promotion, I love love the state of South Dakota. You know, I'm a fifth generation South Dakota kid, and never once regretted not leaving. But when, uh, John Cooper, our old our yeah. old yeah. Uh, secretary, just kind of out of the blue one day called me and said, "I I need your skill set." I need you. You have to have thick skin because people are going to yell at you all the time. I know you got that. I know you got the gift of gab. I know you're not scared to stand up and get beat up in a crowd. I need you to come over. And I didn't even, I mean, literally went, walked into my secretary of tourism's office and said, my two weeks, hmm. she goes, I already know you're leaving. He called me first. <laughs> and and I've never regretted it. Now, there's yeah. tough days, you sure. know, and you tough issues and, yeah. and working for different people and with different groups and stuff but and I talk to my my daughter a lot about every day is different but every day I know that I'm doing something that I can to make sure that you and your kids have outdoor places to go wild places to be right yeah. Um, so yeah that that's that's good stuff let's talk about your role here mm -hmm. um talked about that but when you're here working up to pheasant fest I mean there's 30,000 people that walk through the mm -hmm. door at least it's a madhouse. The idea that you can even sit down with me for 15 minutes on a Sunday is... <laughs> Sunday's a good day. Yes, yeah, Sunday <laughs> is a good day. But 
what's what's your role leading up to Pheasant Fest sure. and why you're here? Yeah, so so my department is marketing and communication. Mm-hmm. So I, it's kind of four teams within that. We've got the publications team, so the Pheasants Forever Journal, right. Quail, Quail Forever Journal. We've got the traditional marketing team, so graphic design, video production, right. um, web design, um, uh, graphics, uh, you know, everything you think in social media. Yeah. Uh, communications, so media relations, press releases, right. all, con- a lot of content creation. Um, and then corporate partnerships is also part of right. our team. So uh, advertising sales that you see in the journal, sponsorships that you see with Browning, the official right. licensing apparel, hunting apparel right. with the organization, or tourism. federal ammunition, South Dakota tourism, right. booth spaces that we have on the show floor. Um, and part of our corporate partnerships team is National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. Right. It's our single biz, uh, biggest revenue driver for the organization in, in terms of an event. Right? Mm-hmm. This generates unrestricted dollars, meaning it's not a grant fund that's earmarked to go to a specific sure. purpose. Yep. These are unrestricted dollars that we can leverage to do anything, You know, whether that's a land acquisition or hire people to do something or help us go fight for the farm bill. Right. It, it, so it's a huge event. So you can see intuitively how all those things would work together for an event like this, from publication to market, you know, marketing right. this to our own internal audience, our marketing team, creating the graphics, the right. social media, right, and the communications team that's going to pump this out to the general public, where you know that I'd say eighty percent of the audience that we sh- see walk through that show floor is coming from the community where the event is held and just compare and contrast a little bit like you think about national wild turkey federation they philosophically hold their event at in nashville every year um they have different goals right Mm -hmm. it's a celebration of their volunteers coming to a destination that let's face it nashville is a fun-ass town (laughs) nash vegas music food people want to go there in the middle of winter have a great time celebrate the turkey federation we have a little bit different strategy here we move national pheasant fest and quail classic around the country because honestly you know when this happens in february or march we're not going to get a news story in the Minneapolis Star Tribune in February unless Pheasant Fest is on the show Here. floor. We've had four uh, big-time stories in the Star Tribune, just as an example yep. of a media outlet, right? We're talking about our habitat mission, um, recruiting new hunters, and Ken Yang, a, mm-hmm. a Hmong hunter here in the Twin Cities, big article on him. <clears throat> and, um, we had the Bird Dog Bird Parade right. featured. Right, cocaine and conservation, yeah, right. pulling new people in. So you start connecting the dots here, and media coverage that we can generate, newspaper, digitally, um, um, the television, creates buzz in a right. community. People that um, our hunters feel proud of the connection between hunting and habitat conservation. Here's an organization I belong to. People who aren't hunters, like, holy cow, this stuff. This habitat for pheasants is benefiting pollinators and, and honeybees and monarch butterflies and clean. I yep. didn't know this. Yep. And so it's broadening our audience and helping firm up our messages within people that know and then, you know, spreading the word to people that don't. Right. And you move that around to Minneapolis, to Sioux Falls, to Des Moines, to Omaha, to Madison, to who knows where else. Right. right? And it starts 
to help us become a larger presence, right, yep. in all those communities. So it's a little bit different. At the same time, we do want our chapters to come across from across the country, right. celebrate the organization, feel the energy on that show floor, and then go back to their home and carry that energy forward right. but philosophically it's a little bit different approach and it's been super successful for us we we try to do you know minneapolis is our home back to our base my baseball reference right. it's, a, it's a home <laughs> home game, game. It makes my life a hell of a lot easier <laughs> and our team's easier when we know all the players and you know if it's pure fundraising um measurements this is always minneapolis is always going to be our biggest right. you know it's a, 13th largest market in the country a bunch of our corporate partners here are here but you know unrestricted revenue is only one of the metrics right part of the goal here is bringing it to sioux falls which it's coming next yep. year right going to omaha going to milwaukee going to schaumburg illinois and being able to tell our story and energize our audience and new audiences um through this show is a really big important component of it for sure and it is interesting because i think this is I wasn't at the first couple, but I I think I've done twelve of these with with tourism, and every every city is different. And 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 so I've got some new folks in our booth working for us, and I said, okay, this is going to be completely different than Omaha. Mm-hmm. These guys and gals that come through the door, they know our website better than we do. Mm-hmm. They have the game plans, they have the research. Sit and listen to how they prepare to come to South Dakota, right especially on. some of the you know, and I see people walking through the door that I've talked to at eight pheasant fests, no matter where they are, they're Minnesota people, but they go everywhere, every pheasant fest. But I said, you know, sit and talk to these, these folks. And, and I can point a few of them out to you and listen to how they research, how they get ready to hunt in South Dakota and their stories. A lot of more traditionalists, but a lot of more younger hunters who are driven, their hunts are driven by their research and figure out how we can do better on our end. Right. And my boss, Nick, who's got more energy than, and he's going to be mad that he wasn't here, but he was because he wanted to do this podcast with you. But um, he's a very much an analytical numbers brain. I mean, that's how he works because he has a fisheries degree. Mm. And and he his jaw literally dropped because he, he he's like, these yeah, these guys don't. Like, they were finding stuff on the website. I, I didn't know where it was. Yeah. yeah. I said, okay, so now how do we make that better? How do we deliver stuff better, you know? And where, you know, like, I wasn't there last year, but um, when we were in Schaumburg, it was a lot, man, I want to come to South Dakota. Mm-hmm. How do I start? Right. Okay. There's 100 booths, vendors behind us. You know, I would start by right. talking to them. Right. Tell me what you want, what your experience wants. Do you want a lodge? Do you want self-guided? Do you want public land? And then go from there. Yeah. You know, where I don't hear that very much here. No, it, Minnesotans, I... I, I if I recall a statistic, I mean, it's the number one state oh, for, for non-resident sure. hunters, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Right, whereas Wisconsin, Illinois, probably two, three, somewhere yeah, thereabouts. Yep, but, top but, ten, but, but not even close to Minnesota. But for Illinois, you think about the size of the population, there's a lot of people, it's like, and it's a poke mm-hmm. to go from Illinois to South Dakota. Right. So there's an audience there that, you know, they just haven't experienced the dream trip yet. Right. And once they do, they're going to be hooked on right. it. But they... They have to get over that intimidation of the travel. If I'm going to go that far, yeah, I, I want to have some success, too. Right. Yeah. yeah, so the homework can only take you so far. And and I think, uh, you know, that yesterday, um, Secretary Roebling and, and Casey and, and Matt Morlock, one of, one of your guys, yeah. they had a South Dakota public lands, you know, panel. 
and Casey brought up the fact, you know, the one thing I want you to do is try to do a little homework. Like while you're here, while you're at home, you know, and and I think it really rang true with a lot of folks here, but certainly with some of the South Dakota GFP and tourism staff going, God, you know, our homework's in our backyard. I can do that easily. You right. know, if you call me because we're friends yeah. and say, hey, what's the grasslands conditions look like? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, maybe north is not better. Maybe the, you know, you got to focus on a few of the other areas that maybe you haven't focused before because there was grazing or whatever. Right, right. So you got to end there. And my phone rings <laughs> off the hook is like I'm sure yours does in August. Sure. Yeah. You know, where, where can I go? What's the grass look like? What's the conditions look like? So, and, you know, obviously the coming later thing, you know, rings true with a lot of folks too. But so it, it I like it because every one of these shows is different. Mm-hmm. And, and I still see a ton of familiar faces, whether they're wearing a PF jacket or a, or a hoodie or a hat, to just people that come every year. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes even ask the same questions, you know, and, and or have the same arguments even. Yeah, yeah. But it, it really is a cool thing. And I, I hadn't thought about the... You know the model, this model compared to like mule deer or or turkey, mm-hmm. and and how they they're vastly different. So. Yeah, it and it's purposeful, and I'm sure it's purposeful right. for them too. You know, right. and and they can both be right. Right. You know, yeah. But this has worked for us, and and now the challenge for us is figuring out the quail side of things. You know, because there's the fastest growing segment of our organization is quail forever. Sure. You know, it started in '05, and as you probably predict. The mixed bag states are where we grew quail the fastest. And think about that. Like, Pheasants Forever is a great reputation. And Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, where people can hunt pheasants and quail, right? That's when quail started to grow. Like, oh, that's a great organization. I just love quail more. Right. Right? Now we're seeing growth in Oklahoma City, Texas, and Georgia, South Carolina, and then desert southwest all of a sudden you know, sure you follow anything on instagram you know how popular new mexico and arizona yep. are becoming for merns and scaly yep. and gambles and, um and so and now the and you see this when you go down south whether it's southwest or southeast they all want to go to south dakota right right because they want to they love they may love quail the best but we all want to experience Rooster, right? Or you want to experience rough grouse in Minnesota? There's always that destination, yep. and uh, you know I always say that uh, up, upland bird hunting takes you to beautiful places. Yeah, and everybody wants to hunt pheasants in South Dakota, and they those southern quail folks they want to bring that trailer, right? A six English right. pointers at least up to South <laughs> yeah, Dakota, at least, and run them in the grasslands yep. and and chase some sharpies around, and then hunt the James River crap that mm-hmm. they've heard about and chase a limit of roosters around South Dakota and get that photo next yeah. to the, uh, you know, the, the fence post. And yeah. Like, I went to South Dakota and I made it happen. You know, right. everybody wants that yeah. uh, that dream trip. And and we see a lot of them, and I, and I hunt with a few of them. This, this year I was hunting with some guys, and they literally did bring, I think they had 12 dogs. Mm-hmm. And we went out and chased prairie chickens which by the way i've never seen as many prairie chickens in our area is i mean literally outnumbering the last couple of years uh sharp tails. yeah and which i'd never thought i'd see i mean when i was a kid in northeast south dakota i, I remember my dad shot a prairie chicken up there and he was amazed yeah you know but uh so we they we hunted with them for a couple days and and uh so then we want to hunt you know we're gonna hunt pheasants we're here to hunt mm-hmm. pheasants 
And the first place we went to, the guy looked at me and goes, Mr. Chris, I don't know how the hell I'm going to keep track of that dog. <laughs> <laughs> We're not used to this yeah. stuff up to our necks, you yeah. know, big yeah. stands of like yeah. crested wheatgrass and stuff. So, But it is, you, I'm sure you've seen that grow over the oh, last Oh, for sure. That, that quail audience has grown inside our organization, yep. the footprint here of those people walking around the show floor. Right. And it is, it's that that idyllic destination trip right. if it is i gotta go hunt rough grouse in the north woods of minnesota right yep. that's idyllic yep i gotta go to south dakota and chase that three rooster limit right right or for us i'd love to go down west texas Me too. and chase around a bob white scaly Me too. It, it, so if we think about that you know there there's that just hasn't been all kind of nurtured until the last few years, right? right? And I think that's really exploded in, inside our organization. Yeah, and it, it shows. I mean, there's there's folks, you see them and you talk to them here, whether, you know, some vendors, but even folks that come up and this is a destination yeah. for them, right? Yeah. This is, we're coming to Pheasant Fest. Yeah. I've got friends who drove all the way from Pier just to be here today because they knew the show would be quiet. Yeah. You know, and so that, that destination is... is is it pays for you know it plays for this as well um it's this is this is it it's not a hanging curveball but it, it, <laughs> it could be so I, I one of the reasons i really fell in love with i knew i wanted to be a writer or be in that field was the storytelling from field and stream mm. and and you know outdoor life and even some of the tv you know like Virgil Ward back mm-hmm. in the day, you know, or there's the old off the dock in Canada and he's talking over the top of it. And for a while it seemed it seemed like our outdoor media has really really left that and became more sort of driven by brands and driven by maybe not those wild experiences, but it became more driven by, you know, the 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 big companies and driving that stuff. I've seen it kind of turn around with podcasting and, and mm. just more like YouTube, social media driven kind of stuff. The storytelling is kind of back. Mm. And I think some of that romanticism and that kind of talking about the wild places and, and, and the really, really, you know, well done small mom and pop going to New Mexico and, mm. and, and hunting or going to South Texas and, and hunting that stuff. That resonates with me, mm-hmm. and I, I assume it, it kind of does with you. And, and where I'm going with this is some of the like the rooster road trip stuff mm-hmm. that you guys do. Yeah, for sure, it resonates with me. I think you know as you're talking through some of that, I'm like, well, I'm a Michigander that read Jim Harrison right. growing up, right, right, right. And um, so, so yeah, I love a, or, or Hemingway. Yeah, I, I love. Yeah. I love the stories that are set in the in new new writers. I think about just over the border from you, um, the Longmire series, oh, Craig for sure. Johnson and CJ Box, yeah, and I, Joe Pickett series. I worked with CJ Box a ton at tourism. He was, he ran a kind of a tourism conglomerate of Wyoming, us Montana. Yeah, so I yeah. worked with him before he was even writing that. So stuff. so I think about writers like that, and I think that goes to your point about you know old days of some of the outdoor publications and today podcasting and narr- narratives and this, uh, human personalities driving stories and then also I'm a huge sucker for sense of place stories mm-hmm. right I just love 
how particularly you start thinking about some of that literature from uh, Longmire or C.J. Box, where you're like right in there with them. And yeah. what, what's the common piece there? That sense of place always has a layer of nature, the outdoors. There's always a hunting and fishing component, and right. it enriches the personality involved in the story. Right. Which I think that's true of all of us as humans, right? That it's part of who we are. It's not he was out bird hunting. You know, no, he was a bird hunter. Right. It's deeper. Yes. Right? It's like it's not something he I wasn't do. Doing. Right. It's something I am. Right. And I think that that comes through in podcasting, some of the videos. Like we had a film fest to kick off uh, National Pheasant Fest here and you could see that. Like some of these stories, you know, people are well, I broke down crying. Right. You know, because this is part of who we are. Right. And that really comes through in some of today's media for yep. sure. And he, you know that the thing you, you're talking about that and you break down crying and you look over and there's other people mm-hmm. so it's that there's a bigger connection there too. It's just yeah. oh it's just not me. Yeah. I have a lot in common with all of these yeah. folks and it gets to be on a bigger level, right? Or even laughter. You know, you, you go and you're laughing at something and you look and yeah. everybody's laughing. They got the same sense right. of humor yeah, as Yeah, right. You yeah. know, so it's like, I want to talk to that guy, yeah. you know. Right. Uh, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to ask you one last question and nice. I appreciate the time. Yeah. You've got five days anywhere in, let's <laughs> say, the continental, <laughs> North America continental I'm paying for your trip. Oh, wow. I get to go along. I'm paying. We're going to drive, though. We're going to gas. I'm paying for everything. you got mm. five days. What are you chasing? Wow. Well, this is the genesis of Rooster Road Trip, right? Right, right. Which, you know, Rooster Road Trip, which we, we've done since. Brilliant, by the it, way. It, when well, you guys I, came out with that, I was like, God, I should have thought of that. That was one of those. <laughs> that, oh. I, I can't take credit for it. Um, Andrew Vavra, Anthony yeah. Houck at the yep. time, they, they conceptualized it, and I. I was their boss, so I <laughs> I volunteered to go yes. along. Great idea. Where am I going? <laughs> so, yeah, five days, all public land. And where yeah. we started that, it was <laughs> we were biting a bigger bite of the apple than we realized because we started in North Dakota um, one day, drove to Minnesota then overnight, hunted Minnesota, then to South Dakota, then to Nebraska, then to Kansas. Five days, Oof. five states, five days hunting. Writing content yeah. while we were going from say and shooting content and, and too. I sh- mean, video. Uh, it, we weren't doing podcasts at that time. No. It was photo galleries, blogs, videos, and uh, I shot all. I shot birds in every state, five straight day. I didn't shoot limits in every state, right. but um, it, it, over my kind of my my dog that like my first dog Trammel, right. named after. I, I remember. Trammel. I remember. So um, yeah, that was. And we now we do it every year. It's the biggest digital thing we do, and it's I think 15 years in. So your question sort of is right. Is that so? If I were to create my own trip, I'm gonna take some liberties with distance. Okay. Um, I gotta hunt. I'd have to start in the UP, home, right? Sure. So you always go to your first love, right. and I. I'd do rough grouse and, and timber doodles in my home in the upper Never shot a timber doodle, by the way. Uh, most underrated bird there is. Uh, so that's, th- I got to do that first. I'd hunt the edge of the boundary waters in Minnesota, uh, spruces, 
right. that's probably second most underrated right. <laughs> rough grass. So now you're saving me money because we can stay at my brother's. Yeah. So. <laughs> right, right, for sure. <laughs> um, uh, probably a pretty big leap to get to Fort Pier, but that's on the list next. Now we're staying at my place, yeah, okay? Because yep. I, I just think uh, Fort Pier on a sept- late September day when you're standing on top of a hill with a light breeze and it's 40 degrees and the sun is rising and all you see is your dogs and grass and there might be a prairie chicken or there might be a sharp tail down there damn yeah that's one of my favorite places on the planet um and then you know you squeeze out a rooster on the edge of that (laughs) so that's pretty awesome uh i bounced to one of my best trips ever was um so number four destination is floating a missouri river in a canoe in montana and i'd uh hunt the islands in the missouri river yep and the pheasants live up in the ag fields up top and they kind of come down sure. in the mornings and the evenings mm-hmm. in these these islands and uh, you float in a canoe with your dog pull up to an island hunt like an 80 acre island get back in the canoe right and you, oh that was wicked i bet um and then number five is uh probably all the way taking you all the way to the southern border of mexico um where roger klein's country right made this full circle right very near his his family ranch um, you know, I've had a dog go on point on the other side of the fence in Mexico. <laughs> uh, I didn't, I didn't flush that bird. I had to, I had to beep that back. dog back, um, you know, where you can hunt Mern's, uh, Mern's quail, scaled quail and, uh, Gamble's quail on the same, roughly the same walk, you know, from the sky islands down into the desert, um, you know, in, in, that's pretty magical country yeah. too. So I, I took you that like it's we're gonna have yeah, to we're, really hop we're going there from border for five to border. <laughs> to take you from border to border. But those uh, those are the five ones that immediately come to my mind as some of the beautiful places that uh, me and my dogs have been. Right on. Well, thanks for your time, brother. Yeah, I thank appreciate you. it, Bob St. Pierre. Hey, uh, Sioux Falls next year. Sioux Falls, March 1, 2, and 3, 24. Nice. A little later. A little later. And that's yeah. good because it's going to bring the quail folks who their season doesn't end until the end of February. So they're going to go from quail hunting Perfect. to Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. Sioux Falls, Denny Sanford Center. It's That's a big one. Party my, on. This one and that one, my voice is done by the end of, the, by yeah. the end of it. But uh Hey, you're out there listening. You hunt birds at all. You love conservation. you got to come to one of these, whether it's Sioux Falls or, or down the line, another destination trip. Bob St. Pierre, the man with the golden voice. If you need to know who, who he is when you're on the floor, he's either got an orange suit on or he's got, I think, one of one Detroit Tigers <laughs> Pheasants Forever hat. Thanks for your time, Bob. I right. appreciate the heck out of it. Minneapolis, downtown, Chris Hull, South Dakota Game Fishing Parks Podcast and Blast. Nick Harrington, I'm here. Chris let me on one more time. I, I, I keep wondering when my next one's going to be the last, but he keeps letting me on. And 
I'm not sure that beautiful and Minneapolis go together, Chris, but we can talk about that later. I'm a Minneapolis guy. <laughs> and to your defense, uh, um, some of the podcasts that we did with the fishing forecasts have our highest numbers, so I don't know if it's you or if it's the topic, so... We'll just we'll we'll think we'll think the actor, we'll think the guest star. Right. <laughs> it's like McRib, just bring him on every once in a while. Right. <laughs> so we're here at Pheasant Fest in Minneapolis, uh, pre-storm, pre-snowstorm. Um, kind of got a Sunday, and we're we're getting ready to wrap up. And uh, got another guest. Got to talk to Bob St. Pierre, who kind of tells his own story. But uh, we're here with Cameron Landorf. Cameron, um, Nick, go ahead and since you guys have history together. Yeah, so Cam and I, Cam's probably fished with me uh, more times than we should probably count. We spent a lot of time together in college at South Dakota State, uh, best college out there. Just just going to throw that out there. Nat- for natty ship, natty ship. Yep. So <laughs> anyways, Cam, introduce, us, in, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, and what's your position with PF? What do you do? Yeah, so I am the new regional representative for the state of South Dakota with Pheasants Forever. Um, I... Born and raised in the outdoors, absolutely love to hunt and fish, as most of the people that probably listen to this podcast. Um, I, right now, we, my wife and I just recently moved to Fort Pier, too, so river's right out my back door, so we're going to be fishing again, Nick. It's going to be pretty Ooh, great. I did not know that. But you, you uh, a South Dakota kid, too? Uh, no, so I was born and raised in Iowa. I grew up in, I was born in a little small town close to Carroll, and then went to high school in Algona, and then state called me home, and we never st- we never left, so... I was gonna, I was gonna pick on him later so that we, we he would be worse than me with the Nebraska kids. That that's not worse. I'm not. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna stay out of it. Paul <laughs> and, and I are gonna have quite a conversation six on the one, drive home. Anyways, Cam, we cut you off. Keep going. What do you, what do you do? No, so I basically uh, handle all of like chapter relations across the state of South Dakota, whether it's um, fundraising efforts, um, any type of money spending they can do to help out Habitat. Uh, youth outreach, um, uh, kind of corporation, corporate stuff, or not corporate stuff, but government relations stuff sure. in the state or even at a national level. I help those guys uh, just kind of make the bridge between chapter level and national level. Even though we are one big organization and we're one big family, uh, there's got to be somebody to gap that bridge. Uh, there's just too many chapters and too, uh, too many volunteers to deal with, which is a great thing, and we always want more. So I'm going to put you on the spot just because I love numbers. How many chapters do we have in South Dakota? We have 34, but uh, we have 34 right now, and uh, we will have 35 May 1st. Or awesome. March 1st. March 1st. We are a uh, little secret drop. It won't launch, but I'm starting a new chapter in Madison, South Dakota, March 1st. So we will have 35 March 1st. Awesome. I got 10 guys roaring, ready, raring to go, and... We're going to put more habitat on the ground. And are they mainly in eastern South Dakota, or do we have some western chapters? We too? are spread all across the state. We're really heavy in the east. We're really heavy in the central. And we've got a few few stragglers out there in the west. One in Rapid, uh, one down in Rosebud, one in Winter. And then we have one up in the northwest corner around, like, the Lemon area. Mm-hmm. Oh, so gotcha. We're really trying to grow uh, to grow that those western chapters, but it's kind of hard when... Uh, you uh, just see those gravel lots, and there's people pulling up to get their mail that live 40 miles away. Right. <laughs> yeah. and it, it is it's funny. You mentioned, like, the, the winter, the Rosebud chapter. Every Pheasant Fest I've ever been to, those guys have a booth, and they are gung-ho, man. I was talking to a few of them at the at the hotel and asking about snow and stuff down in that country in, the, in Rosebud, and they're, I mean, we start talking, oh, you're from here, and, of course, you know all the similar people, but they have a big presence. 
They're wearing all the same crazy rooster clothes, and they're shaking hands and kissing babies to everybody that comes by. Those guys are gung-ho, man. So. Oh, I, I can tell you, like, I can't tell you how many Minnesota guys were so mad that South Dakota had a better better representation at oh. this show than Minnesota did. Always. There was a whole aisle dedicated to the state of South Dakota, and I could, can't believe it. Did anybody was, see North Dakota or Kansas here either? While uh, we're, the while Kansas, we're I talked names? to the Kansas director that he we was, met at Moffat. He was here. I, he was yep. here. I did talk to him. but And I talked to some some uh, women's hunting club from Bismarck came by and stood Ooh. at our booth for quite a while. Okay. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great chapter, too. I, I, I can't talk too much crap about North Dakota because i I got to give my love to Renee Tamala. She is also my ca- or one of my co-workers up in North Dakota, and she she would do anything for anybody. She's right. a wonderful person, and she's been a great mentor for me. Look at this. He's counterbalancing the, yeah, what, yeah, what, we, bring, that, what we bring to the show. We've got two really bad cops and one that tries to keep the morals. I've, I've some, I'm telling you, I've had some amazing pheasant hunts in North Dakota. I mean, drop, I mean, slobber knocker pheasant hunts. And, and I think it's it's a lot of a testament to the ground root stuff that you're getting involved in. How long have you been, been on this job? So I'm very wet behind the ears. I started December 5th. Um, I have been... I. I uh, was working in the ag industry before that with Nutrient Ag in Vermilion, South Dakota, and I just, I've always had a calling, and I've always been told, or told myself since I was a little kid, I want to love what I do, and finally I got back into wildlife and conservation and people, and I'm back to doing what I love. This is, this is otherworldly, working for this organization is just something special. Right on. Um, so you're new, new to Fort Pier. That's, when, I mean, yeah, when do you move in? Where, uh, no, where are you living? Are I, I, we neighbors? I, I, Nick, where we li- apparently we live a block away from each other. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I, so I live right. <laughs> I live right behind the right next to the rodeo grounds and the ice arena. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> you're literally within yeah. a block ahead. So the the blue house that was for sale on the Framboy, that is that's me now. Oh my god, awesome. he's yeah. not even a block from yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can you guys can get two tomato cans, and spring and soup cans, and talk to each other. I'll just jump in the back of Nick's boat every time I see it head yep. to the river. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, I gotta go by your house. That's gonna be hard. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He's gonna see me running out there too. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Oh my god. I'll get you a good pellet gun, dude. <laughs> so you're new, you're green, obviously you know what you're getting into. What what are you most excited about? I mean it's it's gotta be kind of daunting at this point, right? You've got thirty some chapters that are all looking to you or you're looking to them. Yeah. No, it is. It's a little daunting, but it's also it's also a weird calling home to be out to fully. I'll be fully honest with you. I love people, um, and as Nick can contest, mm-hmm. I have never been one to shy away from a conversation. I could have a, I could have a podcast with that brick wall somehow. I swear. Right and uh, so, it's it's honestly the people, and that's what makes this organization work in the first place is the people. So, that's why I'm here. Is this your first pheasant fest? This is my first pheasant fest. I've never been. This is a good one to start. It's a good one to start. You know know what? I'm uh, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. We're gonna make a better one next year. Oh yeah. We're bringing her. We're bringing her home and. We're making it a better one next year. Hey, good. We can talk about that. Yeah, we can. We can talk about it. I wasn't sure if we could. We announced it. We announced it last (laughs) night. We can. Oh, we're good. Okay. Bob talked about it too early. Okay. Good. So, so Cam, as a pheasant fest rookie, knowing we're coming coming back to South Dakota next year, I mean. What's your favorite part of it? Why should somebody come to this event? What, from um, your perspective? Come to the event because uh, it's at a great time of year where everybody, especially in South Dakota, we just got done, you know, middle of February, picking up our last couple roosters and, uh, or not middle of February. Yeah, 
Right, middle of February? Yeah. Yeah, so, middle of February, picking up our last couple roosters. Even the geese are done. You know, the snows are on their way back, but they might not quite be here. And just gets you that little taste of the outdoors because everybody's already got that cabin fever. The ice is still on, but, you know, you well, know, that's like nice. guys like Chris out here. That's a different breed on the ice. Sometimes they're not very social. So. Now, <laughs> not very smart now that you live in Fort Pierre, you're now going to learn that you're going to grow to not like ice fishing because you can put your boat in on 50 degree days in February, yeah. which are the pictures I am receiving at Pheasant Fest. So maybe that's not the favorite part of the show. <laughs> no, and it's and it's just a. Uh, total accumulation of like everything that goes on here whether it's me and my rep team who get stuff done in the background or it's the volunteers that are sitting out on the show floor the vendors everything and man there are some sweet deals on that show floor yeah. there always are and there always will be so so cam your background in the ag industry how has do you think that's helped you prepare i mean what do you think's been more important your your college background wildlife and fisheries just like me or is it that experience with ag i mean what what do you feel has got you in this position? What, what? I'm, I'm going to be really weird and cheesy, but I think like I said, I'm a person who really believes that everything happens for a reason. Uh, I went went to college, like fell in love with South Dakota, fell in love with the wildlife, fell in love with the habitat, did all that, fell in love with the state, and I uh, just you know didn't really have an opportunity to quite step into the role that I was really looking for. And ag ag gave me an opportunity to have a job out of college, and every that's what everybody needs, right? right. And yep. so in that aspect, I got to talk to a lot of people and they're they're just i mean there's a lot of you know blurry lines and shaking hands and things you gotta be very tentative and aware of when you're talking to guys about farming and guys about ag and things like that and that's one of the things that's i think trained me for this job you've got to be able to talk to people but this job this job's easy compared to that right. people, <laughs> people want to be here right yep but i i think you know just as you were answering that question i think it, with an ag background, a lot of your members are ag background. Oh, yep. yeah. And for you to be able to sit down and go, you know, just having a casual conversation, and, you know, you're not approaching it just as a, we need more habitat or we need more members or stuff, you've got that already innate in your head going, yeah, it's got to work for you, but here's, I'm going to talk the talk too. I'm coming at you from both sides. Mm -hmm. And don't always get that. You know, I, I've been a part of a lot of Pheasants Forever chapters, and and it was always, you know, kind of a, not a us versus them kind of thing, but certainly more, you know, that driven by, you know, hunting and hunting and hunting. And it's just like, no guys, it's also habitat. And it's also got to make, you know, it's got to got to work for the ag producers, the private landowners. And I think your background is, is probably pretty unique in your position with where you can come at it from about five different angles. So. Yeah, our, our team is basically made up of either um, uh, former biologists or like they, you know they started from the ground up or they're they they came in from a different angle whether it's the event side of things or something like that so um it's obviously a lot of public relations and but i love building relationships so so what's one thing these pheasants forever chapters you're going to be working with in south dakota assuming we're going to have some listening what's one thing they need to know about you right now i mean they probably you probably met some you're probably still working on the process what's one thing they need to know about you uh, just, anytime you call me i'm going to answer my phone that's all you need to know i'm i'm the type of guy that's gonna because that's the type of guy i want to be for you um with it when it comes to the chapters you got to be you got to be in front of their faces nobody reads like everybody yeah everybody sits on their phone now and reads the screen but there's nothing like face-to-face -face contact and shaking hands. I want to come meet you. I want to come be that guy in the room, and I want to come hunt with you. I don't want to just deal with the money. I don't want to just deal with the chapter stuff. I want to be there for you when things are good, and I want to be there when things are bad. 
I want to be the answer. Take them to your best hunting spots. That's what we just got out of I, that, I, right? I, I did not say that. I did not say that. <laughs> I might have put some words in his mouth there. That might be my... I'll, I'll, try, I'll trade Nick the hunting spots for the old fishing holes yeah, on the exactly. river. That's what I'm going to do. What I'm most worried about now is he's going to see my failed pollinator plot coming up. He's going to have a day-by-day check. Full, full disclosure, Nick's got a, a little pollinator plot in his yard, and it's been a year-long nemesis. This thing is failing. Oh, my God, it's miserable. So he spent a little bit of time talking to the pollinator plot people and trying to figure it out. We, the good news is we, we don't have to burn it to the ground this year. Next year we got to No, burn it. I thought we were supposed to burn it to the ground this year. Now we're looking fall for flowers. So it's, he said, like, the third fall. So we're, like, two burns away. So, like, if you see smoke coming out, burn a fire extinguisher. Don't be too nervous because right on the other side of Nick, is my wife's uh, uncle, and they're all firemen. Oh, so, so we're good. We're plenty good. They'll, they'll put it out before it gets here. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, just inspiring confidence. But yes, come to the Sioux Falls show. Learn how to be better at your pollinator plots right. in your backyard. In other news, it's still great winter cover, all those weeds. Yeah. They, the birds are like yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of critters back there. The deer are in the backyard. They love it. There are three deer beds in it. I was like, yeah. during that big yeah. snowstorm, I was like, oh. Well, I did something good. <laughs> it's this is a big show. It takes a ton of people, and everybody's kind of got their roles. It's interesting for you, like this year because you're new, but next year you're gonna be the busiest guy because oh. you've got your roles that you got to do during the during the pheasant fest and stuff. But you also have every you know a majority of your chapter members are gonna be there. Yeah. And the ones you don't know, you're gonna be trying to chase down and be like you know pointing out and going, oh, you're you know. You're gonna be busy. So. Oh, my, my plan is to have everybody met by then for sure. We have our we're gonna have our state meeting either the night before, like the day before, or a couple days before that, and so all the chapters will be there in Sioux Falls. Everybody will be fully represented, and cool. We'll be ready to have another great year. I mean, but we're yeah, we're gonna be dragged six ways to Sunday at that one. Right. So. Yeah. This this was the perfect one for you to come to. You can yeah, go kind of enjoy it, soak it all in. Get and my then, feet wet and get ready. Then to we'll ride. get you next year. Hold just mate. Hold just throws me right into these things. Yeah. He, doesn't let, he doesn't let me. There's no crawl, walk, run. It's like walk, walk, run, limp. Right. By, by the way, we're going to Pheasant Fest. What? Come on, let's go. What date do I have to go? Yeah. Get, get in the pickup. Well, that's awesome. I didn't know you were moving to Fort Pierce. So that's I didn't either. Fort yeah. Pierce, that's good stuff. I didn't know he was going to hit my I mean, house. Yeah, I, I, I found out I was baseballs. your neighbor, and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. We're going to play catch from the backyard. Let's too, bad, go. too bad eggs are so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to throw the baseball. It's going to be fine. He'll keep so bouncing back. You're kind of wrap, wrapping up. It's Sunday. Yep. Um, what just what were your first impressions of you know this show being an inside? Oh, this show is... There's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that I don't think a lot of people realize goes on. And if you, I mean, yeah, your reps, there's only so much they can do. But if you come to Pheasant Fest next year or if you came this year or whatever and you're from, you're an out-of-stater or even if you're from South Dakota, you don't have to thank me, but reach out and thank the rest of my rep team. Those guys are freaking rock stars. Yeah. This, this show would not have happened without Erica Hill. Will Clayton and Renee Tamala. Oh, if, if 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 those three humans didn't exist, we would all be up here twiddling our thumbs trying to find yeah. trying to find a bird up here for some reason. Or something <laughs> now, like that. See, now we have to grab him so we can take him up here and twiddle our yeah. thumbs and really get him for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, man, thanks for your time. I'm 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 pumped that you're in in Fort Pierre because I think we can work together on some content stuff, oh, yeah. uh, video mm-hmm. stuff. Um, get creative with, with some of the partnership stuff that I know you guys are big on and, and we're certainly big on. So for me, I mean, I think 
that's that's a big benefit for for us and and what we all do. But excited to just have more good people in here. Agreed. Yeah. And we're gonna get, we're gonna collab on some stuff. We're gonna make some pretty sweet pretty sweet things happen. I yeah. think. Yep. I'll, I'll echo what Hull said. It's it's nice for me to see all my buddies that I went to college with. Now we're all working on this stuff together. So I, to me, I think that's I think that's pretty cool overall. And congrats on your new role. And I, yeah, again, it's kind of a, not really necessarily a new. breaking news, but for I would bet for a lot of our Pheasants Forever members. I, I was gonna say I didn't know the I didn't know the day. I, I knew it was recent. I didn't I, I couldn't remember how recent it was. Yeah, it's that first weekend in March. So. We're ready to. Or, oh, for when, oh, when you started. When yeah, I yeah, started. Yeah. Sorry, I thought we were talking about Pheasant Fest again. No, when I started, yeah, December 5th. It's Like I said, I'm pretty fresh, but. It is that first weekend in March? That's yeah, the day. Yeah, March okay. 1, 2, 3. So, oh, so, later. so it won't be over the Daytona 500. Yeah, that's no, his big it will deal. Not. He so mad. It, will not. it might be over state swimming, though, so we're going to have. Oh, have you used that capital <laughs> last year. No, yeah, I, I miss Pheasant Fest. Oh. No, so, you know, we're going we're gonna to go from the old, you know, the, the, the cool cold february of uh minnesota minneapolis minnesota we're gonna go to the balmy march balmy balmy march hear that we've already predicted the weather gonna be a balmy march in sioux falls next year it'll be a balmy 27 degrees instead of 15 the most (laughs) the most important thing though is it will not impact your folks's plans to watch the daytona 500 (laughs) and hole will not have to change his dinner plans to get me somewhere that i can watch races Cameron, if we got any uh, PF people that are listening, how they get a hold of you, what's the best way? Uh, if you can give me a phone call, it, it's, it's the easiest thing. Either you can find it on um, any of my emails that I've sent you if you wanted to open them. If you didn't, no big deal. I'd rather call you anyway. Right uh, or just my, you can look up my information on the PF website. Perfect. It's I was, all there. I was Perfect. curious if he was going to list his phone number out yeah, here. I, was, I, was I, was I thought about I it, had and then I was like, I was going to have to beat that. I was going to have that one 50-50. Well, brother, thanks for the time. Pheasant Fest, I mean, you're hearing it here first. March one two three one two three Sioux Falls. It's gonna be a banger. I think that was they set the record at for attendance, but I think it's been broken since then. So yeah, we We gotta throw the gauntlet down. Bring the ship home. Let's go. Yeah, man. Right on. Thanks for your time, brother. Just like SDSU. Thanks again for joining us. (laughs) Good stuff. Great stuff from the floor of Pheasants Forever Pheasant Fest. Um, Both of those interviews super engaging. Lots of fun. Um, hope you liked them. They were th- those are really fun to do. Um, these are all fun to do, but sometimes you get really sucked into the, what you're talking about and really exciting. And time just flies, and and that certainly was one of them. Uh, as they announced, Pheasant Fest March one, two, and three in Sioux Falls. Um, I can't stress enough that if you love birds and bird dogs and conservation and habitat and hunting and the future of where we're going with these sports. Uh, it really is a must-see show. It's There's something for everyone. It's really cool. And the last time we did it in Sioux Falls, um, they really knocked it out of the park, had record-setting attendance, um, you know, two basically two huge rooms full of vendors, everything from art uh, and gear. And you will find something you didn't even know you had to have when you're at that show. So big stuff, and I promise that um, you won't regret it. And you should go easy to get in and out of there. It's a great date night if you're in the area, and it's a great date weekend. And bring the family if, if uh, you know, you got to stay overnight. That's good stuff. So hope everybody's all dug out. Um, looking forward to a little bit of warmer temperatures and, and 
maybe getting out and, and uh, doing some fishing. And uh, going forward, um, you know, turkey season's right around the corner. I think second draw applications are out now. Uh, paddlefish snagging season um, right around the corner. Um, didn't get drawn again this year, and that's okay. I'll probably go with some of my friends who did get drawn and maybe do some filming on that. But plenty of opportunity to get out and ice fish and do those things. Um, you know, be smart. Uh, tell folks where you're going. You know, it's tough It's tough sledding up in that northeast and in the eastern part of the state, so recommending stuff with tracks or, or uh, snowmobile or, you know, if you got to walk out and maybe can't get to your A1 spot, maybe walk out and, and uh, get to a spot and just get out and do it. But uh, be safe, be smart, let folks know where you're at at all times. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. If you got any other ideas, as always, you can reach out uh, to me, Chris Hull, with Game Fishing Parks. Um, I'll take calls, take emails. Heck, you can even stop by the office and peer and yell at me if you want. But uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. And stay safe, but get out there and make tons of memories. How can time fly just pass by without seeing how to me? How can time fly just pass by without seeing by to me? Well, then my battery's dead.